1: Hi, I'm Keegan and I'm Madigan and
2: you're
0: listening to your, your angry, angry neighborhood, neighborhood
1: feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. I almost said this is a podcast where we record the world through our own personal feminist I mean, perspectives. Sure, kind of. You just said "record" right before you hit it, so my my brain was still on that word. I know, and
2: also I was panicking just slightly because you were taking a drink, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, she's not gonna be ready." I was like, "Maybe I need to slow down." I made it work the top of this, but no, it it all it all worked out fine.
1: Y'all y'all forgive us, right? <laughs>
2: Um, so this week, I'm actually really excited about it. I really enjoyed doing the prep on the episode this week. I think that it's so fascinating the way that our like social conditioning changes the way like behavioral or like psychological disorders can manifest. Yeah, definitely. Like I think that that is, I mean, and I also just find psychology and stuff so interesting anyway. And you and I are both true crime people as well. And this kind
1: of adds a little bit of that. I mean, I always refer to myself as being kind of a psych nerd anyways. Before I was told I would be too stupid for it. I really wanted to be. Yeah, I really wanted to be like an abnormal psychiatrist. Oh, my high school counselors were like brutal. They were like, you'd be a great delivery driver. And I was like, like, thanks.
2: Well, I mean, no shade on delivery drivers. I'm no. just saying if a child has a
1: dream for something like you don't just squash it. Like, oh, yeah, you- I told them about my whole plan. I was going to be a skating coach like at, when I was like 16. I had my life planned out. I like came in all confidently. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And my counselor was like, you could buy a truck and do deliveries. And I was like, and you can go fuck yourself. Well, um- <laughs> I hope you
2: you as an adult I'm like go report that person what if they're still working with kids I really hope
1: not but yeah I I didn't listen to him but yeah I definitely was told like because I wasn't good at math and science they were like there's no way you're going to be able to get through a psychology major so I was like I mean you know better than me so I won't
2: try (laughs) also not True.
1: Thank you. But um, I fell in love with the book Sybil in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sybil. And, Good uh, old Sybil. Yeah, that kind of opened my mind to my love for abnormal psychiatry yeah. in general. Like any of the stuff that gets a little like spooky and scary, I find it also very like, I think it's the empathy in me. Yeah. That wants to know more about it as well, because I want there to be help for everybody with yeah. those things as well. And this is definitely one of those disorders that there isn't really a cure for it treatment is very difficult right and it has a lot of negative connotations to it as well for good and bad reason but you know
2: you know my mom um was a had her master's in counseling, family and therapy, you know, family therapy. And I wanted to be a criminal psychologist whenever I was a kid. Like, I really was like, that is what I want to do, you know. And so there's a lot of overlap with this as well um, there. And so today we're going to be talking about um, psychopathy and sociopathy Specifically in women, but just also in general, to give because, in order to understand it and to understand kind of like the differences in the way that we perceive it or the way it manifests between the genders, we have to kind of talk about what it is, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. And sociopathy and psychopathy have kind of become interchangeable. People tend to kind of like use both as if it's the same thing. And there are some slight differences. And I always got really confused over that just in life. Like, yes. what's a sociopath? What's a psychopath? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, they
2: do consider them to be different yes. different diseases. And I do want to say before we start jumping into the differences, just as like a... um Kind of like some background. Yeah. The DSM, which is the, you know, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that we still use. Now we're on like the DSM-5 because it it evolves. But it, you know, first, the first one was in 1952. And when it came out, it mentioned personality disorders, including sociopathic personality disturbance, which was one of three personality disorder subtypes um, and Now, our modern definition of sociopathy has certainly evolved since this time because at the time it included things like sexual deviation and addiction, which is not at all what our current definition of sociopathy is.
1: It can be a like a symptom of it. Like a person with sociopathy can struggle with it's very likely that they could suffer from substance abuse and things like that, but it isn't necessarily tied into that. And psychopathy was kind of at
2: that time bundled up with sociopathy Sociopathy. exactly which Which is is why it
1: makes sense that we still to this day struggle to kind of like separate the two Mm -hmm. so sociopath is an unofficial term to describe someone with antisocial personality disorder for the most part whereas psychopathy describes a set of personality traits and aspd and psychopathy can overlap they can share lots of similar traits But if you're a sociopath, that doesn't mean you're a psychopath. But if you're a psychopath, that does mean that you can be a sociopath. Right. And it's also not a diagnosis to be a psychopath either, where it is to be a sociopath. So it's a little bit of a different way that we label these types of like conditions, I guess, where one of them is recognized as a true medical condition, where the other is certain behavioral traits that make a person a psychopath.
2: And if you were to be diagnosed as a sociopath, you probably wouldn't be diagnosed as a sociopath. You would be diagnosed as having antisocial personality disorder. Exactly. Right. And there are a lot of schools of thought. There are some people who don't even really believe that there is a difference. Um, I I believe that there is a difference, but a lot of people... And I think
1: that it makes sense for there to be a difference because Mm -hmm. I think that with someone that would be struggling with it, that would make a big difference to me because of the way that especially psychopathy is portrayed. Yes.
2: So in the most recent DSM, um, they've referred to sociopaths as being more of a product of nurture, meaning that somewhere along the way there was what's referred to as a caregiving trigger yes. that set them down the path towards sociopathy, whereas psychopaths are more the product of nature, meaning that they were just born that way. It's something to do with the way that their brains are wired, but yeah. I mean, it's
1: sociopathy as well. There's like something to do with your amygdala. Yeah, um, they were saying that with like brain imaging, you can see that the There are, I can't remember, I don't think I wrote down the specific part of the brain, but there you can actually see some physical differences between a quote unquote normal brain and a brain who, uh, you know, suffers from antisocial personality disorder or from psychopathy as well. And
2: even then, though, you know, they have there was a study that was done with this uh, NPR neuro psychologist or Uh whatever I'm probably getting that wrong but he (laughs) some um, smart person yes who studies the brain and he did a scan of his brain and he has the same kind of um issues going on with his like prefrontal cortex that you would see with somebody who has sociopathy but he doesn't consider himself a sociopath and also doesn't have a lot of those same symptoms um so it's not necessary it's it's a combination of both, right? Of course, it is and I think it's also of, like of genetics and also your upbringing and experiences.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I also think that, and we're going to obviously get into this more because I think that this is so gendered. I think that it's also like how a person displays their symptoms. Yes. And that's also the, how things get diagnosed and Absolutely. things don't. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So one other kind
2: of difference between psychopaths and sociopaths that people tend to see just broadly um, is that psychopaths tend to be more manipulative and can be seen by others as more charming and they can lead a semblance of a more normal life and minimize the risk of criminal activities, whereas sociopaths tend to be more erratic. There's a lot more rage impulsivity, prone, a lot more impulsivity, um, and they're less able to lead a normal seeming life. So a lot of these people who you will see are these characters that you see on TV, like a lot of people will be like Don Draper is a, is a sociopath. Don Draper is probably more of a psychopath, psychopath right? Like, because the, he's able to lead this kind of normal life. And there was this book called snakes and suits, which yes. is all about how there are
1: so many people with psychopathy who are who like working like big business. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. And it's, it, 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 that does make sense to me in a way you know what I mean because like I I think I've definitely dated a psychopath and I think about the differences between like who that person was when we were together and who that person presented themselves to be to the world Absolutely. and they do have this way of like giving the other person what they want in that moment and whether that be you know a person who's gonna talk business with you or who's gonna get personal with you or is gonna be a shoulder to cry on like they're good about like picking up other people's faking it emotions right, yeah and then mirroring that yes. and faking it and giving it back to you yeah. and I actually did read that like mirroring and like a false sense of superiority and yes. love bombing is a big part of uh, a psychopath but also it's a really big trait with female psychopaths oh yeah which makes total sense to me as well but we'll get more into that yeah later, that I'm sure. I mean honestly and
2: that's a big reason why I wanted to do this episode. Those differences are what fascinates me. Because you most. wouldn't
1: see female Don Draper in the 60s acting like that. But we know that there are female psychopaths. At
2: right. That t- you know what I mean?
1: It's like, what would that look like? Right. I mean, and the way that... And we'll talk about this, you know, more
2: whenever we actually really get into talking about the differences, but when we do see a lot, a lot of times like successful women portrayed in media as like these cold, ruthless women, but are also kind of like, you kind of admire them. Yeah. Have a lot of like psychopathic traits. Elizabeth Holmes. You know what I She's mean? She's one of like, them. You know, or you've got Amy from Gone Girl or, yes. you know, they have these like sociopathic or psychopathic traits and it's almost seen as something that's admirable to other women because they, we have been so conditioned to be so pleasing and, and, you know, to be so nice, and be nice all the time that like, it looks freeing to be like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what I need to do for me. You know? Yeah. And like, that's, it's almost seen as like a,
1: it is kind of admirable in a way. I mean, I don't think it's to not, that extent that like these people took it, but I also think that there is an importance to knowing your own self-worth and your competence and whatever it is that you're selling yeah. to be able to back it up. There's, like, there's I think a that reason, that's admirable. There's a
2: reason why we look at psychopaths and sociopaths in media as characters, not yes. real people, but as characters, and we are almost like, that's badass. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? I mean, it's it depends not- on what the characters' choices are that we're watching. Because right. sometimes it's very clear that they're bad people right. but then sometimes you know Don Draper a great I'm gonna keep using this example because I think it's a really good one you know like he had some redeeming qualities written about his character so there are times that you don't Hate him, which right. gives you that sense of like safety with that ca- like right. liking that character. And still. I, I want
2: to make it very clear: I'm not saying that we're like, yes, queen, amazing, like murder those people. Like no. that is not at all like what we're saying. Here. No, it's the we're attitude
1: saying- around the self confidence that is admirable. It's not the actions and the choices that they make that Absolutely. is admirable. If that makes yeah. sense. And there's right? a
2: catharsis to watching somebody who's part of a group who traditionally has had to like be quiet and not kind of like strive for what they want get what they want exactly you know what I mean so yeah there is
1: that so let's talk a little bit about the symptoms of the two because I think that what we were just talking about you'll see a lot of examples in that so symptoms of antisocial personality disorder include disregarding the law being disrespectful which again the wording for that one I'm kind of like being yeah, A lot of people can be disrespectful a lot of the time. I saw
2: that a lot, though, with children. And now, they won't diagnose children, for obvious reasons, with antisocial personality or right. psychopathy. Their personality is still forming. right? <laughs> so they won't, but they will say that... Um, you can see signs of like emerging Behaviors. antisocial personality disorder in children. And it will generally manifest itself in twenties when in, in you're, when you're in your twenties and thirties. However, um, one of those signs and what I would see recurring there is, kind of like willful, continual disobedience. Yeah. You
1: know, but I feel like disobedience is almost a better word than disrespect. But I don't know. Some of these I'm kind of like, yeah, this could be a little wishy-washy. Like, I do some of these things. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. um, Acting impulsively or being incapable of planning, being irritable and aggressive. uh, They may experience bouts of violence. Disregarding safety, being consistently irresponsible. Excessive lying, having a lack of remorse, repeated involvement in poor or abusive relationships, continuous vandalism, and then it does say manipulation and intimidation of others. But I also said read that that was not a symptom of it. So there were some different like accounts. Like like yeah. we said, typically it would be the psychopath that is showing you more of like you know the snake in the suit, the manipulative, charming right. mm-hmm. facade where. I get the impression that more a sociopath is just kind of like what you see is what you get. They look like they might be a dick. (laughs)
2: You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No offense, but it's just kind of like, but it's not like they're trying to deceive you outwardly. Well, I mean, I think that they as. they do because, like, pathological lying
2: is that's is something true, that yeah. that sociopaths are capable of. Like, there was a um, woman who put out a book. Basically, it was like the first, and it was surprising because it was a woman, right? But it was um, released anonymously, and it was a memoir where she's like, "I'm a sociopath. This is what it's like," right? Yeah. And some of the criticisms from psychologists when you know reading the book and and reviewing the book were. We don't know if this is true because they were like, first of all, it's not a very good read because sociopaths are incapable of gauging what other people need and so they can't tell a compelling story because they'll kind of just like
1: they're telling it how how it makes sense to them in their head Uh not how it's it's very
2: grandiose it's not interesting to read for other people because they're not taking
1: that into account darn it i was just thinking how i wanted to read that book
2: (laughs) read read it anyway um but but then also there was also the aspect of because pathological lying is such a huge part of sociopathy they're like we don't even know if half of this is True. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know yeah, um, and I was actually just I was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about the difference between like a pathological liar than just someone who lies. Yeah. Because usually someone who lies is doing it either to like protect someone's feelings yes. or like get for out of reason. There's an emotion behind it and they feel guilt and shame where a pathological liar lies just to lie. Just There's to no lie. reason to it. They're not trying to protect anybody from anything. They're just doing it.
2: Right. Well, they have no concept of social norms. So Donald Black, who's a psychiatry professor at the University of Iowa, calls antisocial personality disorder quote, recurrent and serial patterns of misbehavior that involve significant facets of life marked by violation of social norms and regulations that occur over time. So they don't, they just don't have the ability. And that's another thing that makes them so appealing to a lot of other people is that like they can't feel awkwardness because they, or like social anxiety because they that social anxiety comes from trying to figure out what other people want from you. Right. And they or for don't feeling, feel
1: that. Or for feeling embarrassed because you said the wrong thing or, you know, where yeah. those people don't. And also, Which, that sounds refreshing. Well, that's I would what I mean. love to ex- not give ex- a fuck. Exactly.
2: I mean, so you can do a quick test on yourself. Like, do you have social anxiety? You're probably not a sociopath. But yeah. like, that is one of those things. That's another one of those things. There's something refreshing about, like, and interesting and intriguing about watching especially a woman. Yeah kind of give no fucks in that way we're like wow what must that be
1: like (laughs) and this is something that I think is can be really complicated and I bet that this is something and I didn't even really look into this but I just thought about it I I bet with kids it would be especially difficult but Children and people with like autism spectrum disorder, and I know this mostly just from um, a girl that I used to take care of. She really had a hard time with understanding social norms, reading my facial expressions, yeah, um, yeah. understanding my tone, things like that. And she also had a lot of like aggressive behavioral problems because she had a hard time with expressing sure. those yeah. wants and needs. So I can also see why it would be difficult as a parent when your child is young, because there are so many reasons that kids especially might be struggling with social norms, it might not be sociopathy or psychopathy, it could be another sort of like neurological disorder that you have to deal with. And I think that's also an important distinction to remember is that there are so many other facets to sociopathy and psychopathy that don't tie into things like having autism spectrum disorder
2: oh yeah i mean and there's a lot of other things too i mean a lot has been made about the overlaps between you know borderline personality disorder and psychopathy or sociopathy and borderline personality disorder is overwhelmingly diagnosed as a a women thing you know and whereas like and i think that's because of the way that it manifests exactly but you, so you just, you can't, I feel like, especially in pop culture now, it's so, it's become so kind of flippant to be like, that person's a sociopath, or like, wow, what a psychopath. Right. You know? um, but truly, there are so many things that could cause that. Like, that person could be narcissistic. That person could have <laughs> a borderline personality disorder. It might right. not be one of these other things. Yeah, like,
1: you, I mean, I just always think, like, one of the reasons that I admire Greta Thunberg so much is because of her Blatantness with everything that she says, and that's because of her autism. You know, she always kind of has that as her superpower, right? Exactly. So it's like, and I think of that. I'm like, that would be a great superpower to just be able to speak your mind and not have that fear behind you of what other people think. I think that
2: there are probably functioning sociopaths and psychopaths who would say that they feel that way about their about their personality disorder because. It, snakes and suits right like it's not it's not great to like not care about um what other people think but about if you, you
1: gauge success in a certain way and if success is like making money or being famous or being a celebrity being a sociopath or a psychopath can get you there right I mean <laughs> in that that memoir that I was talking about
2: right that woman basically said in in the memoir she said I've never felt insecure a day in my life oh which and I bet she's terrible. Like to be around her, she's sounds awful. Yeah. But that it it might feel like a
1: superpower to you. That right. like
2: all these other people, what? And also, thinking, this is
1: something that you have to live with. I think that it's also important to be able to spin things positively for you to be able to live a positive, effective life. So I think that's a good thing.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit um, the differences between the way it's diagnosed in men and women. So statistically, antisocial personality disorder is thought to affect up to 4% of the population, uh, which is like 1 in 25, which I remember hearing that statistic once and thinking like this was a long time ago when I was a kid before I understood that not everybody who has sociopathy is a serial killer. Yeah. Um, And I I remember hearing that statistic and just being in a busy airport and thinking like one in 25, like how many people are in this airport that are all serial killers. Right. Yeah. Um, but so they're, they're 4% of the population, out of about 10 million sociopaths in the United States, only 1.5 million are women. And depending on the population, men are two to eight times more likely to have sociopathy than women. Psychopathy is diagnosed considerably less um in general, and makes up about 1% of all males and 0.3 to 0.7% of females, though some researchers challenge these numbers due to bias, which we will talk about. Here yes, in a second. certainly. So genetic factors influence predispositions and temperament. Researchers have posited that there are two subtypes of, so- of psychopath. There's the primary type that shows distinct neurological uh, deficits and blunting of emotions. And then there's a secondary type, which exhibits more anxiety, substance abuse, and mental health problems. Mm -hmm. Like we already said, not all psychopaths or all sociopaths are violent. um, But when they are, they tend to be...
1: When they are violent, it tends to be criminally violent. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, and a lot of times, people who are diagnosed with these things do have some sort of criminal past. And that's not saying that everybody is like violently criminal, but it is more likely for like them setting fires, running away. It's that impulsivity that makes it more likely for them to get in trouble and to go with their instincts for things that maybe aren't super positive. So I think that is also important to remember that just because someone does something criminally doesn't mean they're necessarily like violent offenders.
2: (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, and it is also important to acknowledge that I think that this is important before we start talking about the differences between men and women and the way it manifests, that the brain isn't different. So the abnormalities that occur in the brain, um, or at least this is my understanding when doing, doing the research for this, is that the abnormalities in the brain when you have sociopathy or psychopathy is the same for women and men. Right. But the way that it manifests for women and men is very different. And I think right. that it comes down almost entirely to socializing and, exactly. cultural and cultural norms. Well,
1: and I think that, you know, think back to... When you were young, you know, you always would hear like, oh, gosh, girls are the worst. Those groups of girls are the worst because yes. they're they're sneakier. Mm-hmm. I mean, mean my, girls. my bullies in middle school would like leave me death threats on my phones, like twisted, fucked up shit. Right. Where the guys, about if they it. had beef, they would beat each other up or there would be yeah. a swearing match and there would be some big altercation. So it's like this evilness of these Girls almost just kind of like bruise under the surface because they're not making it obvious of what they do. Their tactics can be a little bit more um, subtle than a man's tactics. It's
2: researched far less because, of course, you know, and we'll, we'll get into it more granularly. But like men tend to men who are psychopaths or sociopaths tend to be more violent. So they are going to be studied more because it's going to be more criminal, right? Exactly. Whereas there's not a lot of people who are like chomping at the bit to like study mean girls, right? Like, you know, like they're not just going to be like, why why is Regina George the way she is? You know, like it's just not, that's not happening. So there's less data. Yeah. Um, Before we get into it, can we take a quick, quick break? Uh,
1: Let's
0: do it. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything.
2: Okay, and we are back. Sorry for that weird
1: abrupt. (laughs) You're like, oh shit, we gotta do it. I got scared. I'm Um, sweating, (laughs) but I want to just on that topic. There is this like myth of female innocence as well. Like we believe women to be more nurturing and kinder, and we don't we don't attribute the caretakers in our lives to doing violent terrible things and we've talked about this as well when we talk about um like female killers and females that are and women that are incarcerated and things like that we give women less harsh sentences or sometimes harsher sentences depending on the depending on the crime and the and the judge and everything but because of that reason either because we're so astonished that Uh, a a little woman could do something so terrible or we don't punish them as harshly because we don't believe that women are inherently as quote-unquote evil or violent as men so we don't punish them as harshly yeah and so I think that that's another reason why when you look at a woman who is displaying a lot of these symptoms it would almost be easier to classify her as being like moody or bitchy or you know what I mean like I feel like Just like with every other mental illness with women, it might be easier to just push it aside because we don't attribute those things with females for the most part. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, and also something that is important to point out is that these statistics might not be accurate or complete because nobody was doing research into psychopathy in women at all, like they were using almost exclusively male participants until the 2000s. Yeah. And so so all
1: of the tests that they've created, like the PCLR test, all of these things were created by men, for men. So even the tests that were given on these women wouldn't necessarily be entirely accurate because you're not asking the right questions. Like on that PCLR checklist, you know, you say zero to two, how much you feel a certain you know, sentence applies to you or whatever. And while those things may apply more to a man who is a psychopath, it wouldn't necessarily be the same traits as a female with the same issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, you know,
2: another way that the patriarchy hurts everybody. Because um, it hurts men too, you know. Uh, there are lots of cultural norms that skew the data. While a man who lives off of a woman, so we think about like, people who, or men who we see as like leeches, they're leeching off relationship to relationship or love cons, right? Men who con women um, and like take all their money or whatever, we see... Them score high in um, as parasitic, which is a a psychopathic behavior, right? But women who live off men are more likely to be dismissed in a similar evaluation because society has been set up in such a way that women are supposed to do that, right? Like we're supposed to rely on men um, to do things for us. Because
1: historically we've had we've had to, and a lot of people still choose to. You know what I mean? So that makes total sense. Yeah, it it does. It makes total sense. But somebody who has psychopathy
2: especially i mean sociopathy maybe also but because psychopaths tend to be more manipulative um a woman with psychopathy will know it will zero in on the fact that society sees me a certain way sees me as like sweet and innocent could never do anything like this and it will use those gender expectations like being inherently kind or helpless to her advantage right or
1: also like being more flirty using uh-huh. their sex appeal. That's another thing that, you know, like women typically will not dominate and be super aggressive in that way, but they're able to lure you in with their feminine wiles instead. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like is such a sexist thing to say, but like, it's something that I think that a lot of women will use for both the power of good and bad well, th- of their yes. sexuality, I mean, you know,
2: because we've had to. Right. Yeah. Like, So it makes sense if the rest of us have had to, you know, figure out how to kind of turn the patriarchy on its head and and, use and make it, it work against for itself. us yeah right of course people who have these personality disorders who are already good at manipulation and things like that are going to see the exact same thing and they're going to use it in the exact same way right and i feel like personality disorders or people who have psychopathy or sociopathy it's evolved over time just like anything else right yeah. so and it's evolved within our culture just like anything else and so i think while especially with sociopathy, there is this kind of like rage that that is uncontrollable. I, I didn't write down a lot of the, um, you know, technical scientific terms of like what what's going on in the brain. But there, yeah. there is
1: some actual like impulse control. Issues. Well, your frontal lobe is where all of your impulse control comes from, and that usually isn't fully developed until you're 21. So that's kind of like the reasoning for the drinking age and all those sorts of things. I you heard it's 25 your, before it's fully. Oh, it is 25. Yeah, you're fully right, it's 25. Uh, so that's kind of where all of your decision making comes from. So it can also be a thing if you're, you know, abusing substances when you're young. That can affect your frontal lobe, which will, you know, affect yeah. your development later on, things like that. But there are many things that can affect it. And then also I didn't write all of this down because medical jargon is like bleh in my brain. Same. But there's a lot of like hormones involved as well, especially when it comes to like serotonin and things like that. Yes. You know, like the, there's
2: there's a thing called the warrior gene. Um okay. and I don't remember the scientific name for it, but that's kind of like the um like street term. Okay. Yeah. Um but it is something that is that a lot of like sociopaths tend to have. Okay. Um, and it blocks some like serotonin receptors. Right. And because of that, you can get angry really fast. Like yes. it goes from kind of like zero to a hundred. Yeah. So while that is true, um, just kind of across the board for sociopaths, there is also a social element for women in terms of you've learned or we've learned and evolved kind of to be like, oh, society doesn't like it when we do that right so you have to find a different way of like getting what you want or exactly. your your rage or whatever it el- whatever else it is manifesting right. it can't and, just be punching somebody the way that a man might do
1: I was gonna say yeah and in the other way you know that works for men that's why they continue to use that tactic and things like yeah. that in their. I, I do want to say I
2: know we are like half an hour into the episode but I do want to say that as with any episode where we're kind of talking in, in very kind of gender binary terms. Right. Um, We are specifically talking about biology. We are not talking about.
1: Yes. This isn't about gender expression, you know, anything like that or gender identity. Um, It's just how the world sees this shit. Yes. And I think that if we were to combine all of the different gender identities within this, it would get a lot more complicated um, because I think that, you know, there are, a lot of other factors right. that can go we're into We're not trying that. to
2: exclude anybody in this conversation. Definitely We're, not. we're speaking along kind of like heteronormative, binary thank terms. Thank you for mentioning that because yeah. I
1: thought about it during the research and then totally didn't even think about that when we were doing the episodes. So yes. Thank you for just, mentioning just that really for, quick.
2: Just for simplicity's sake is why we're talking about it this way. In such um,
1: like binary yes. ways.
2: And also that is how most of the research is written. So it's kind yes. of difficult to discuss it in yeah. a different way. You know, there hasn't been a lot of of research done um but also when women were tested according to the hair checklist which is a list of traits and behaviors that include interpersonal and emotion related characteristics like pathological lying and lack of remorse as well as aspects related to lifestyle and antisocial behavior um such as like Plans for the future and behavioral problems. Right. They tended to rate lower than men on such things as lack of remorse and delinquency, which these things are more likely to lead to crime and violent behavior. Right. And higher in things like manipulativeness and grandiosity. So again, we are more easily going to detect psychopathy and antisocial personality in someone who is running around committing crimes yeah, um, than we are in someone who's just kind of like lying and being sneaky and manipulative. Right. Unless, of course, they become a con person or something. Which
1: right. I was thinking another person that I was just thinking of as far as like female psychopaths go, I would put Anna Delvey I was going to say Anna
2: Delvey. Yeah. Because anybody who has... And again... I so many of us are just like
1: get your you know get yeah. yours. she's got fans yeah Like she Which, has the out there and
2: truthfully I get why she has fans yeah. but there is you do have to take a step back and be like okay how does somebody get away with doing something like that for so long there has to be something going on with your personality yes in order to be able to lie so easily Easily and so and frequently, and for so long, and to just so just many hold people, it up.
1: right? Yeah, like, it is. It's impressive, but not in a great way. But yeah. in a
2: in a, there is probably um, um, there's probably something wrong with you. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: You know? I did want to talk about one case in particular because it is probably the most studied case of a female psychopath sociopath, and that is Eileen Wernos. Yes. So oh, she scored. high High on the hair scale. She scored a 32 out of a 40, which yeah. for women is like very high. Yes. They say that like a comfortable level of psychopathy for like men is like 30. It's a comfy, <laughs> snuggly level. <It> d- <laughs> Of psychopathy, <laughs> you know, just uh, it's like the little bears—nothing too big, nothing too small, just right. Um, so I'm not going to get into her whole story because she lived a very long tragic life. Uh, you should know who this person is, anyways. I feel like she's been talked about so much. Go watch Monster. Charlize Theron is amazing. Yeah, there's um,
2: also a really good documentary about her.
1: She's the one with Nick Bloomfield who did it. The I don't know. British guy, maybe. It's kind of—I I don't like him. Broomfield, Bloomfield, Bloomfield he's kind of shady but I saw it a long time ago
2: but I mean she's a very interesting character she is she's so
1: sympathetic in so
2: many ways but yes I think that she had um, psychopathy that probably developed through trauma you well know? and that's
1: what I wanted to talk about so she is really a great study of psychopathy in a female so she was born into a poverty-stricken home to an alcoholic teenage mother. Her parents got divorced shortly after she was born and she was sent to live with her grandparents who were also alcoholics and very abusive to her. Her father was sent to prison when Eileen was a toddler for raping a young girl and then completed suicide in prison. So this is all in the first few years, few years of her life. She already has both biological and uh, environmental aspects being thrown at her that are not uh coherent with a very healthy upbringing right as a child she shows behaviors like fighting stealing and setting fires Eileen also had a low IQ. She herself became pregnant at 13, but was forced to put it up for adoption and began drinking and doing drugs at a young age. On top of that, I believe she probably got pregnant as a result of the survival set work, sex work that she took part yeah. of. Yeah. it's Her story is so It's tragic. so sad. She yeah. was very, very young when she got into sex work, and her clients were both sexually and physically abusive to her. At the age of 34, she was charged with killing seven men within a one-year span. She initially said the motive was robbery, then self-defense. So her story has kind of changed a lot with why she did these murders. Like we mentioned before I got into the story, her score was 32 out of 40. Forty, which was high, especially for women. Doctors diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder, saying it was a result of her traumatic childhood and the physical and sexual abuse she endured. But they also concluded that she may have been predisposed to the condition due to her father's violent past. So it is kind of making an assumption that possibly her father had suffered from some of these illnesses and it had been handed down to her. But I also read something interesting that it isn't just with biological parents, but it can also be with adoptive parents because it's so environmental. So if you have a parent who has antisocial personality disorder and you are not biologically predisposed to that, just being in that surrounding could eventually lead you to that diagnosis. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's very interesting. Eileen Wuornos is very interesting because to me, when I see her and I, I have friends like close friends who are very open with me about their um, borderline personality disorder um, who have BPD. And I see a lot of those symptoms in her. Like she was very needy in a way, like with, with her like relationships and things like that, which is something that you don't see a lot in antisocial personality yeah. disorder, you know, um, which Is is very interesting because there is some overlap, especially with women, between B P D and sociopathy, even though some of the symptoms of both of those disorders kind of negate each other seem so opposite. Right. Right. But it's like she was so needy with her personal relationships and like so scared of being left, right? Yeah. But then at the same time didn't feel any remorse really for The murders that she committed. Yeah, and I
1: think she really just had a hard time with connecting to another person in general on like a true real level. And that could also be very difficult when you want to form a good relationship and a solid relationship. When you're just like physically unable to make that happen, it's also very frustrating and things like that. But she is, I, I find her as a very sympathetic character especially because yeah like yeah. it's taken from her <laughs> it's,
2: it's true well yeah yeah I, you know how i feel about state sanctioned <laughs> yeah um murder i don't love it um but she's an interesting case as far as like women who have psychopathy go or anti i don't know if she has psychopathy or anti-personality disorder they
1: said that it was um antisocial personality disorder slash sociopathy oh, okay. and borderline personality disorder But what's interesting is that they gave her the psychopathy checklist. That's right,
2: because Hare's checklist is for psychopathy. Exactly. I've I've heard her discussed as having antisocial personality disorder, which aren't the same, even though they're used fairly interchangeably. Um, Right. But what's interesting about her is that hers manifested in physical violence.
1: Exactly. And that's what made her, I think, one of the first people to really be studied with this because she displayed some, I guess, stereotypically like manly behaviors through her disorder. Yes. And that's kind of what made the world take note of her because it was like seven men in a year that she murdered and seemed to have no remorse right. over it. And that was astonishing for people to see.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, because women who have been studied, who have psychopathy in particular, um have been deemed to be more emotionally intelligent than their male counterparts and they're more likely to have their psychopathy play out through verbal or relational aggression like gossip or ostracism. Right. So we're we're talking about those things like mean girl stuff, yeah. right? Um and motivations are different for females. So males tend to be motivated by sex or striving for domination and power. Um, females tend to be driven more by profit, notoriety, or some other practical end. Yeah. Violent male psychopaths often harm strangers. But um, but when psychopathic females are serial killers, they typically target family members. They don't sadistically torture their victims generally. Like it's, you'll see a lot of like black widows who are definitely sociopaths or psychopaths. It's used with like poison. It's used with poison. And although it's not a pleasant end, it's not it's they're not taking their time to like actually like torture. They're, it's it's a means to an end, right? Yes. They're trying to get a financial goal. They're or, not getting
1: a sadistic pleasure out of the physical pain that they're putting their victims right. through. Right? You
2: don't typically see violence for violence's sake with women, right? Uh, and I not that, to say it's
1: not possible because I can think of a me- of many stories, but right. I think typically that would be.
2: Right. I mean, you will have people argue and we don't really know. Right. But like you will have people argue that Eileen Warnos did that. I mean, she she maintains that it was self-defense. And honestly, probably she'd been through so much trauma that it wouldn't surprise me if she just didn't even
1: felt that way i i do believe that in one of the doc because she did two documentaries when she was in prison and there was i believe in the last one that they did when she was like about to be executed she like kind of slipped and said that it wasn't self defense and then called the documentary back and was like jk 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 it was take self defense yeah exactly yeah, so. yeah
2: yeah but that would be highly unusual because for women in general it's not Usually about that. Like usually because of the, I think because it sounds of the like they higher- justify
1: it you know what I mean? Or at least like their reasoning behind things seems more rational where a man's reaction might seem less rational. It seems more impulsive for men, right? Like, whereas like
2: for women, I think it's because of that like higher emotional intelligence. It's that connivingness about us. Well, it makes it seem more conniving, doesn't it? But it's, I do think it actually is this higher emotional intelligence that it's just like, um, no, I, I, I'm still a psychopath or a sociopath, so I still kind of don't care what other people go through, and I still want what I want, and I want to get what I want at the end of this, Um, but it's for something it's not for like sexual gratification or domination Or domination yeah it's like i want their life insurance policy or you know i want to be the ceo of this company right or you know it's like it's something like that usually mm, um so or fascinating. or i want their social standing or i want revenge on that person right exactly know? usually those types of things.
1: I also read in a couple of the articles that it is common for a female sociopath to threaten and go through with self-harm more often as well as a form of manipulation where it isn't so much about hurting other people. They will also take it out on themselves as well.
2: Yes. Well, because it's highly manipulative. So there was this, um, and I was very skeptical about this. And I almost didn't bring it up because it's a Bustle article. But it was um, somebody who, the person who was interviewed is a certified psychiatrist. And she was talking to Bustle about um, kind of what to look out for for female sociopaths because right. it doesn't look the same between men and women. And some of the things that they have on here are things like ruining somebody's reputation, like yes. being vindictive in that way, um, threatening to hurt themselves lying by omission like constantly kind of that pathological lying but also yeah. just like kind of leaving things out again it's yeah. that it's that high emotional intelligence exactly. to kind of figure out like what they can get away with love bombing very common um for women being very charming which i think kind of goes along with love bombing yeah um and and showing care those kinds of things because again we know all of us women know what's expected of us yeah so if you are a manipulative person you can play that up you can play that up and you can make yourself look very like loving and caring and a lot of female psychopaths and sociopaths go into caregiving fields yeah for that reason like yeah. you will see kind of those like nurses who poison their vic- you know, poison yeah, exactly. their patients and things like that.
1: I also do want to say really quick, just because we were talking about self-harm as being a form of manipulation as a person who is like, I didn't want to say that you're saying that, but I just want to say in general, like it is not a manipulative act in and of itself. There are many reasons that people self-harm, but it can be used as a form of manipulation in certain circumstances, just like when you if hear you about people breaking up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the girl is saying, I'm going to kill myself if you break up with me, things like that. So and I've had just men just do that clarify. too, by
2: the way, like it's, It is emotionally manipulative to constantly, like, lean.
1: Well, it's manipulative to use your self-harm against somebody. As a weapon. Yeah, exactly. So the act in and of itself is not manipulative. I just wanted to clarify because I know that's not what you meant. So I just want to say because, like, I would get that sometimes when I was younger. Like, oh, you're just, like, asking for for attention attention and this. And I just – I never knew how to explain it because I was, like – I'm not but I don't know what else to do. Well, I mean and, you and, know. and
2: that's part of what makes it so tricky as well is because um y- you never want to tell somebody that like they're looking for attention. Yeah, Right? Because you I mean, I feel this way if if anybody I loved was talking about self-harm or talking about ending their life, I would always want to take that 100% seriously even if I felt like this was somebody who Had a you know pattern of being manipulative or whatever. I would still want
1: to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'd want to help them. I think it's one of those the boy that cried wolf situations, though. That I think a lot of times with this form of manipulation is it's like maybe you give in the first time, but they're gonna do it another and another and another and another time because it worked on you already, and they they see that that you are emotionally affected by this. But so that's a tactic that they'll use again and again. I feel like
2: psychopaths and sociopaths know that, like they know that societally if. They say,
1: "I'm going to kill myself." Even if they've
2: been bad to you, that like a, most good people are going to try and help you, yeah. right? And so I feel like that is something that they might pull out as like a last ditch effort to try and get your hundred your your affection back or your attention back, and that is very tricky because. It, puts, it would work it puts on me. The, yeah, <laughs> you know? it puts the
1: person in a really difficult position. But I think it is always just good to know in general, like if somebody comes to you and says they're going to hurt themselves or kill themselves, like find a trusted adult. If you're a child, call a helpline. Or, like, or if you're, you're an not adult responsible and you don't feel like
2: an adult enough to handle that situation call
1: your mom I, call no, your call mom still call your mom
2: I'm a full-grown adult and I'm still like can I find an adult because I don't yeah know I saying. mean
1: honestly if I, I think that if I and this is a little bit off topic but I think that if I had somebody call or text me and say that they were going to hurt themselves I would probably I don't want to say that I would call the police but I think if I had no other resources it would be some sort of law enforcement that could step in or paramedic I would call you know the hospital and get someone involved Yeah, a wellness check or something like that. exactly. But it is never your responsibility. I think that's really important because people use that like emotional um, reaction that we have where, of course, we never want to see, even if we don't like this person, we don't want to see them dead. We don't want to see see them them hurt. hurt. And we don't want to feel responsible for that either because they're telling you this. And that's also they're relying on the fact that you're going to feel guilt and shame.
2: Which is something if they don't, don't do feel. something. Exactly. Which right. is something that they don't feel. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I find this topic so interesting and we and we touched on this earlier, but um, just to kind of I find the fact that we find female sociopaths, especially, I mean, sociopaths and psychopaths in pop culture and in media, um, we find them so interesting, just period, but especially female psychopaths and sociopaths um, and We find them the fact that we find them appealing. Like I've said earlier, I think just makes a lot of sense. Sociopaths are incapable of feeling a lot of undesirable emotions that we often feel, and they simply don't care about others enough to care about what they think of them. Yeah, um, which can be immensely freeing and cathartic to watch on TV. Well, and it's
1: so very different from people in your life how you think how you view the world and I think that that's what makes it so fascinating as well because you almost can't believe that a person could go through the world in a certain way when you have no experience in that and right. that's also what makes it fascinating right I
2: mean and I also think that there is a conversation to be had like a a feminist conversation to be had about what are the positive and ne- positives and negatives about the fact that women who have sociopathy and psychopathy are portrayed very often in media as being kind of like badass women, right? Right. So what does that mean? Is that good or is that bad, right? Because it's just like, on the one hand, it's very cool to see these like powerful, almost ruthless women represented in media, because we don't always get to see that, Right, even if it is like a Cersei Lannister, because for years and years and years, all we ever saw were like Mary Sue's very sweet, leave it to beaver exactly. you know, kind of women portrayed in media. And it is cool to see this kind of like different, ruthless, I'm going to get my way to the top I don't give a fuck kind yeah. of woman represented, but does she have to literally be a psychopath? Yeah. <laughs> I know? think
1: it's like kind of a problem of overcorrecting a little bit. Right. Because I think that it's important to show diversity in our characters in general. It is not just men who are affected by this women as well, sure. just like we've discussed. So is it important to show different people's perspectives and different types of people in the world. Of course. I almost think that we are kind of going through this phase of obsession and glorifying, especially when it comes to like a lot of these like scammers, like that's kind of like a big thing right now. And a lot of women use, um, different like scamming techniques as part of their crimes like that's a very common thing for women to be a part of because it isn't as like overt as murder and things like that yeah so I think that you know we are gonna feel good about it for a minute and be happy about the representation but then hopefully it will lessen if that makes sense no, just like with I mean, anything, we are overcorrecting then ev- eventually we'll get an evil number, an evil number, well, an equal number of <laughs> evil men and women. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. No, totally. I mean, and so then I guess my second question is do you feel because this was the question that I kind of went into this with, into this topic with, was do you feel like there are more female sociopaths and psychopaths than we see see
1: represented in statistics.
2: I think so too. I
1: was thinking that the entire time because everything in our research was talking about the fact that women display these symptoms so differently than men and we have not been studying female psychopaths. Ever the things that we use to test psychopathy in women are the same things that we have always used in men. There needs to be more like technological advancements and research advancements or whatever in order for there to be a comprehensive way for us to diagnose women with these disorders. Because until then, it's going to be a male dominated thing. And I think it also goes back to just how society wants to view women. We don't want to view women that way. And I feel like doctors are less likely to have that in mind in their diagnosing process if they don't really want to diagnose a woman with psychopathy.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can also... Until we as a society get past being like, oh, this is kind of something that's like funny or it's kind of those like, oh, gosh, like I dated this crazy bitch one cool. time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh, no, like she was actually displaying signs of, of sociopathy or psychopathy. Mm-hmm. We've just written it off as like, I don't know,
1: some women are just like that, you know, like. Which is also just like. So That's not healthy either. Messed up. It yes. doesn't help the woman. It doesn't help the man. It doesn't help anybody. Be accountable for your shitty behavior. You know what I mean? I don't know.
2: No, I absolutely agree. So that that was something that I I found interesting, and I kind of wanted to take a look at was like, yeah, are women really underrepresented in this in this group as a personality disorder, or is it just the way that we as a society see yeah see women and and see these kind of um. Traits yeah. And symptoms.
1: I've talked about this show a couple of times on the show before, but I love the podcast series female criminals mm-hmm. because they're very like their whole theme is like, you know, they were all criminals, but were they all really bad? You know, what are their stories? What's behind them? And then you can kind of make up your own determination about why they made these choices in their lives and things like that. And yeah. I, I really love that show because it it talks about all of these really underrepresented stories and it tells them in a way that makes you kind of think about female criminals differently than you would just mm-hmm. criminals that we've been learning about forever. And these serial killers that are all male. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is like, that's kind of opened my mind a little bit to like the differences in the way that women Act in the crime world and things like that. It's also and it's breaking down that stigma a little bit too, which I think is important and making it seem less cool and more just like these people did really shitty things too. You know? (laughs) Yeah.
2: No, but I, I do I find it all so interesting. Like to me, it's it's also interesting because I see comments all the time, not only on like our page, but when I'm on TikTok and stuff like that, where people will be like, "Well." If a uh, comparing men and women's behavior mm-hmm. as a one to one,
1: oh, if a and girl like, did this, exactly. then that would happen.
2: Or if, or if, a, if a guy did that. did that, then you guys wouldn't be saying this. Completely acting as though everything is happening in a vacuum, which isn't the case, right? Like people respond, men and women, especially, um, or, you know, people of different socioeconomic groups or races or whatever do have different reactions to things because of generations of social and cultural conditioning. Right. Right. So it's like, it, it makes sense that this exact same personality disorder that affects your brain in the exact same way is going to manifest differently. Because we've had
1: brainwashing that's been telling us how to behave
2: centuries of social conditioning that has altered the way it's going to manifest. Right. Yeah. So I find that stuff just so fascinating. I love it. Fascinating.
1: I love it. I love it all. All right. Well, I think that is all we have for you all today. If there's anything that you would like for us to cover in the future, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist@gmail.com at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on, on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but not least, if you haven't done so already, please, please, please go to your Apple podcast app on your phone. Leave us a five star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoyed the show it truly helps us out so very much all right that's all we have for you today with all that being said we encourage you to to rage on. on
3: bye